Hello and welcome to episode 235 of the In Squash podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and today we have none other than the Commonwealth Games women's gold medalist, Gina Kennedy, and uh, she was on the podcast uh, about a year and a half ago or so, and uh, she makes a triumphant return, I'm going to say, uh, today, and it was a really great chat with Gina. Um, unfortunately, uh, about a month ago, uh, her coach, Ben Ford, lost uh, his wife, uh, Tony, to, to uh, a battle with cancer, and uh, Gina and I talk about that and uh, her relationship with, uh, with Ben uh, over the years. Uh, then we get to talking about, the, about her Commonwealth game gold medal uh, performance and uh, how you know, sort of her season was built around uh, performing well in that event, and also getting to the PSA Tour Finals for the first time in her first full year uh, on the tour, which was quite an accomplishment. Uh, and then uh, we also discuss her struggles with injury uh, in the aftermath of last season. I think she had a couple of niggles after the Commonwealth Games, and then that bled into uh, the beginning of the season. And uh, she didn't really uh, feel right, I think, up until uh, just that last event at Grasshopper, where she performed pretty well. She lost out to Hanya El-Hamami, and, uh, you know, uh, obviously you need to be 100% uh, firing on all cylinders to compete with Hanya. So uh, she was pretty happy uh, with her performance there. And uh, we talk about her game in general. Uh, Mike Wace made some interesting comments about, uh, you know, her approach to improving the game, how she felt uh, she she was more of a Rafael Nadal and she'd like to be more like uh, Roger Federer. So uh, we talk about that uh, analogy and much, much more. Now, before we get started, though, uh, Gina and I have a mutual sponsor and it's Open Squash. They're a New York-based nonprofit dedicated to bringing thousands of new people into the sport by making it more accessible and more affordable for everyone. One of the ways Open Squash fulfills this mission is through its Junior Scholarship Fund, which helps so many juniors, 25% of juniors, uh, in fact, that are involved get financial aid. Uh, Open Squash's primary vision is, of course, growing the game, and they've brought on board several like-minded PSA pros, including uh, Gina Kennedy, uh, world number one Ali Farag, Victor Quint, and several more. And of course, uh, today, Gina is appearing on the podcast. And uh, in a few days, I believe tomorrow, I'm going to be uh, hooking up with executive director of Open Squash, Cleve Midler. And that will be exciting to flesh all of this out, the Open Squash vision. So check out Open Squash at uh, opensquash.org. And now... Without further ado, episode 235 with Commonwealth Games gold medalist, Gina Kennedy. Good to see you. It's been, I think it's been about a year uh, since you were on the last time. Yes. Yeah. God, that's gone quickly, isn't it? <laughs> it has. Oh my goodness, it has. But, uh, you know, firstly, before uh, we get into it, I just wanted to express my condolences uh, to Ben and his, uh, Ben Ford, your coach and yeah. his family for the loss of, uh, I think his wife, Tony. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it must be a tough time for, for everybody at yeah. this point. Yeah, no, it's just it's just so awful what he's been going through. Obviously, um, obviously now that she's gone, it's just awful. But even before that, you know, um, it's, yeah, it's been tough. Like, and the sacrifices he's made for me and everything, even when she was still alive and everything was just, yeah, it's just so sad. Yeah, I had a, a brief conversation with him uh, 
just before you know she passed and uh you know really deepest uh, condolences uh, to yeah. his family and everyone there just in terms of ben though i mean he's been an instrumental i think in terms of your your upward trajectory and your squash career and uh, your growth uh, as a player and a person so just speak to uh, what you know not maybe a lot of people don't know uh, ben he's not one of the the big name coaches that are the people talk about these days, but he's definitely done a lot of good work uh, with you. So just speak to uh, what he's done for you over uh, the last few years. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't um, be the player I am or um, anything without him, you know, obviously, you know, it does take um, like the, at the end of the day, the player is the one who has to go home and, you know, do the work and everything. But I genuinely believe that, you know, he is just as, he deserves just as much credit as I do for what we've been, what we have achieved this year. Um, He, him and I, he's been coaching me since I was 12 years old. So him and I have a really special relationship. Um, You know, he's obviously my coach and stuff, but he's like kind of like family to me at this point. So we've got a really special relationship off the court, which helps a lot. Um, Like I trust him so much. He's probably one of the only people who can tell me, um, you know, stuff and I'll just completely, completely listen to him. And yeah, my whole rise this year, winning a gold at the Commonwealth Games, like obviously I'm the one on the court, but he just does so much. He's, you know, watching my opponents play all the time on squash TV gathering you know game plans telling me um stuff to do for specific opponents it's just stuff that a player can't do by themselves you know after a tournament I'll come back and he's watched everything he'll you know we'll work on stuff he'll yeah just like any I'm sure how any any player feels about um their coaches he's just yeah I just have so much respect for him we have such a good relationship so yeah I owe literally all of it to him (laughs) Well, you had a great, I mean, the last couple of years have been amazing, uh, particularly, uh, obviously before that, but particularly uh, in terms of your pro career, you really took off uh, when you started uh, playing more pro events. But uh, the end of last season was quite a a whirlwind, uh, I would imagine, for you. I mean, you got to the, uh, you know, you basically, you got to the tour finals uh, and basically your first, in your first full season on the tour. And although the matches might not have gone your way, uh, to get there in your first full season on tour must have been truly uh, something really special for you. So what was it like to uh, participate in such an iconic uh, event in your first uh, season, basically first full season as a pro? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, I obviously didn't expect it at all until like the later end of the season where we were looking at the, um, you know, the provisional standings and I was like really in, in the running for it. And I was like, Oh my God, like I would never have thought that. And it's interesting because my season, obviously, you know, I made the top eight, I made world tour final. So clearly it was a good season, but actually the back end of the season wasn't, wasn't great for me. And even, um, the start of this season, obviously I've actually, um, I haven't really been fully fit for a while. Like um, I kind of hurt my shoulder um, in like April and then I was fine for a bit. And then before El Guna, I hurt my foot. So then going into the World Tour Finals, I hadn't really, you know, done the training that I was used to. Um, fortunately, over the summer, I managed to find my stride again and was, you know, was playing well over the summer. Um, but then obviously I've encountered another injury at the an illness at the beginning of this season. So I'm kind of at the point now where I'm getting, you know, it's a bit frustrating. Like I just want to kind of 
have like a run of form um without having to stop because of illness or injury or anything um so yeah I think world tour finals was an amazing experience but it's just a shame um that you know I couldn't really prepare for it the way I would have liked to um but even I do think I was a bit starstruck you know even mentally I was a bit like oh my god I'm here with the top eight people in the world like putting all this pressure on myself um because like like I said I hadn't had like a good run of form going into it so the confidence was pretty low to be honest um so yeah I just need to like get the confidence back and that comes through and you know like a solid training block which hopefully I can do now <laughs> that's really good I mean yeah obviously you're going to be a bit uh, starstruck uh, I would imagine I mean I, I have no experience in that but I'm sure you know uh being there for the first time it must have been uh must yeah. have been an incredible experience I guess it would be difficult as a player just to set that aside and, and try to play your best squash uh, easier said than done I guess yeah it's true and yeah like it, squash is you know it's, it's easy to say but it is so, so much of it is mental um and yeah you obviously you need that belief but and actually Lisa Aitken just released a really really good interview on BBC Sport so I think if anyone's listening definitely have a read of her interview because it's so interesting because obviously every, all athletes need that belief and confidence going into a match but then it actually makes the losing even harder because you know you finally like back yourself and you believe that you're capable of things so then if you don't live up to your expectations then um you know it makes losing even harder so yeah. I've been battling with that a bit as well this year so it is it's all it's all really interesting and just mentally you have to be so strong which is why I just respect the girls at the top so much because you know they've all they've got a target on their back and they just consistently perform like every single tournament and it's just crazy how how solid they are mentally <laughs> That's a really good. That's a really interesting point. I mean, uh, I don't know if you've watched the uh, the Michael Jordan uh, documentary, The Last Dance. Uh, I've seen a few episodes, but not not yeah. the whole thing. I mean, he doesn't like losing, and when he loses, right. it's really you know, it's like the end of the world. And, and yeah, these guys. I mean, he's greatest, one of the greatest athletes of all time. So I guess you know that just comes with uh, with winning. Uh, I would imagine. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, the mental, finding that balance mentally is difficult because like I said, you need the confidence, but then on the flip side, the confidence is the thing that makes losing really difficult. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then, uh, then after the pro, uh, you know, the tour finals, obviously you had, uh, the, I guess the next thing on your agenda was uh, the Commonwealth Games, but mm -hmm. I was just wondering, I mean, uh, you had the pro tour, you had the fine, the pro tour finals, but you had the Commonwealth Games there all, always looming. You knew you were going to mm -hmm. be playing in that. And that's probably, you know, only comes around every so often. So uh, I'm just wondering, was that something that you had in the back of your mind as the uh, priority throughout the season? Yeah, hundred percent. I've been, um, my eyes are on the Commonwealth games, you know, since I graduated Harvard and went on the tour. Um, that was in, that was like my huge goal in the back of my mind. And that's actually one of the reasons why I was really excited to qualify for the world tour finals. Cause I wanted to have the opportunity to play Joel and or SJ um, before the Commonwealth games, you know, as, cause it's perfect, you know, match practice for that. Um, so the Commonwealth Games has been, you know, on my radar for the past two years. Ben and I have been working towards it. So um, I'm, yeah, I'm really happy that, you know, things seem to work out for me in terms of I was able to really 
put in a lot of work going into it and everything you know went well when I was there <laughs> that was great uh, and uh, obviously for uh, sorry for Joelle uh, but obviously for Canadians uh, like myself uh, Holly uh, getting yeah. to, uh, you know getting to the final and playing such incredible squash yeah uh, that match with Joelle yeah she was incredible mm. yeah the mat that, that match against Joelle she just she was on fire I, I, yeah and really, I mean, she always looks like she has the ability to play that way all the time. But, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes she just breaks down and at key moments, but she uh, she didn't in that in that match. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how things, you know, come together in some tournaments for you and for other. But there's then on the flip side, there's always, you know, on the on Joelle's side, difficult, difficult for her, isn't it? So, yeah, oh, yeah. Squash- Scotch is just brutal. <laughs> well, she took home a couple of uh, medals herself. So yeah, uh, which was amazing. Like the way she backed up after the singles, so admirable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, uh, you know, winning the gold that must obviously, uh, you know, a, an amazing accomplishment for you and great for England squash. Uh, great for you. Uh, but uh, then the season uh, uh, starts pretty much uh, almost directly uh, after that. So, and uh, obviously, you probably thought. You, you would have liked to have had a better uh, start to your season, even though it's not, you know, not bad what's happened so far, but uh, just wondering how difficult it was for you now, and maybe in hindsight uh, to overcome the elation and get mm. back to business. Yeah. It's an interesting one. So obviously the Commonwealth games happened to the back end of summer. And then we had like two or three weeks before I was heading off to my first tournament in Texas. Mm-hmm. And obviously after the Commonwealth games, I was, you know, riding a high, um, I had to fly straight to America to um, do some camps for my sponsor, Open Squash, which was great. Like it was so good. Our sponsor. Oh, yeah. And this sponsor. Exactly. Yeah. Best. <laughs> They're unreal. Yeah. Um, so it was great to be over there. And at that point, I was, you know, trying to do everything. I was like coaching there. I was trying to train twice a day. But I was feeling really good. Like I was really confident in my squash. I was feeling so good in training and I was so excited for the season to start. And I went into the Texas tournament thinking, you know, this is good. Like I'm playing really good squash. I was excited. I wanted to get to the back end of the, that event. And, you know, I had the belief and the confidence that I could. And then unfortunately, during my match against Jazz, I got injured, not not knowing at the time. I wasn't injured during the match at all, but I like slipped. And then that evening, my ham, I was just like, I, I woke up in the middle of the night. I was like, oh my God. Like I knew I wouldn't be able oh, to play no. the next day. Yeah. So... I was out but luckily it wasn't that bad like the physio I hadn't torn anything the physio was like it'll be okay in kind of a few weeks but unfortunately then I've got this inflammatory bowel disease ulcerative colitis I got diagnosed six years ago and part of the disease is like there are flare-ups every so often so I actually had the worst flare-up I've ever had um, right after Texas which put me out literally until like I couldn't play the US Open I was still um, really ill there so I think I've been back for 10 days now. I started training last Wednesday. Um, so, yeah, I, I was out for about four or five weeks, just unable to even leave the house kind of thing because oh, okay. um, I was so ill. So it's just like it's been really, like I said, it's just been really frustrating because I felt really good at the start of the season. <laughs> I was like, oh, this, yeah. And, obviously, yeah, and then obviously it this was great. probably like the first, I mean, you, you've been on such a high, right? So you're used, yeah. you're used to it and now, now this, yeah. so. Yeah, and it's hard as well, especially like as an athlete. I think you don't obviously it, it is a great life, but if you if that 
if you can't train and that's been taken away from you, it's difficult. Like, you know, like what, what do you really do with this? I just finished my master's. Um, so I've been struck like, what can what can you do if if my body's physically not allowing me to train you know I'm like out for four weeks of so like mentally it's tough when you're just kind of sitting there not able to do what you want to do um so yeah it was tough and then yeah I'm really happy I played Zurich obviously I wish I had more preparation going into it but I think I needed to put myself out there and get like match practice in Mm because I've got the Asia tour coming up in three weeks so now I'm just really looking forward to putting in a really good block of work and then hoping to find my level again because I I did feel quite far off my level this week (laughs) yeah well I I saw the match Uh, you played uh Nora right uh I played Hania Hania, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, I saw the match, uh, and uh, I mean, it looked like you were you were playing okay, just a, not not as uh, up tempo as you normally tend to play. Yeah, of course, and obviously she's you know one of the best players in the world. So I wasn't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't yeah. expecting really to win given the prep, but I just I don't know, it made me realize kind of how how much I've dropped off because I did feel like a lot a level below. So. I don't know. It's, it, it was obviously frustrating, but I have to try and be positive and just like use it as motivation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess it's a tricky one too, because you don't want to overextend yourself uh, uh, as well. You know, just coming off uh, an illness. Exactly, and, yeah. It's yeah, a tough, it's, it's a really tough balance, isn't it? Um, yeah. So yeah, just got to be careful. Um, but yeah, I need, I just need to play. I need to like try and start doing two sessions a day again, not necessarily, you know, brutal ones, just, just need to like get some matches in and just play squash. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Well, uh, I hope that all turns out to, uh, you know, continues to improve for you. Uh, Thank you. As, you know, the showing in, uh, in playing in grasshopper, a, a great venue as it's, it seems to be anyways. Thank you. Yeah, no, it was amazing. The crowd was great. The organization was brilliant. Um, so yeah, I wish I could have been there longer because it was yeah, great, great atmosphere there. Great to have the, the women involved this for the first I know. time. I yeah. didn't realize this was the first time actually. Um, so yeah, no, it was, it's yeah, really good. Yeah, Steve, I've had, I usually have him on before the, the event uh, every year and we'd, uh, we'd always been talking, he'd always talked about really wanting to get uh, the women involved and uh, finally uh, it happened uh, this year. So, uh, yeah, oh, great. Yeah, yeah. great uh, now, just uh, on a lighter note, um, Mike, uh, Mike Way, your former yeah. coach at Harvard, uh, I read this the other day. He famously, I think he said that uh, you you play like Nadal, but you want to play like Federer, <laughs> right? Uh, so we all know how, uh, you know, watching you play, how incredibly athletic you are. But uh, how has the Federer uh, skill set uh, been developing? Yeah, I've been definitely trying, um, <laughs> trying to improve that side of my game. Um, Cause obviously, you know, when I think when I was like making my rise up the rankings, um, I was beating a lot of the girls purely, you know, by running around, smashing the ball hard. Um, and that's not actually how I want to play or how I know that I can play. Um, I think if you want to start, you know, troubling the, top five girls you have to like beat them at squash you know everyone is so physically strong these days um so it doesn't really matter if you're you know like slightly fitter or slightly quicker like it's not going to make a difference the outcome of the match like you have to out squash them so I've been really working on the short game and just like shot selection which I think is something that you know when because I haven't played much recently I think that was a glaringly obvious thing that wasn't good this week for me in Zurich I was just like 
panicking not really sure what to do not composed at all so yeah just really trying to you know step up and assert my physicality and a positive way as opposed to just charging around like trying to retrieve everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh well i mean you i mean look no further than i think on the men's side anyways it's pretty easy to look for look at two guys as good examples i mean a guy like uh, paul cole who mm. previously uh, sort of played a bit like like you athletic moved around the court dove around the court like crazy mm. and, and, uh, and then another guy i think he's still trying to find it uh joel macon who who's quite mm. a physical player and tends to just you know oh muscle guys with physicality and, and fitness mm. but uh I think he he's probably working on that aspect of his game as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's so important. And yeah, I was actually um, hitting with Joel like a couple of weeks ago and I came off the court and was like, I am so glad I'm not a man. Like, I just don't understand how you're supposed to win a point off him. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's actually insane. Like, he, like the stat, it's insane. Like with... But he, like, I mean, he, he, you might take a page from his book too, because I think um, he's been struggling physically as well, hasn't he? Like he, he had an illness. Uh, yeah. He had to pull out of Egypt and stuff. Yeah. So he's mm-hmm. been struggling physically as well, but it's actually, obviously the female court coverage is a joke. Um, uh, you know, they get everything, but I feel like as a guy, if you're like, you know, around the fifties in the world and you come up against someone like Joel, I just feel like that would be so demoralizing. Like, how the how are you supposed to win a point? I actually don't understand. <laughs> he gets yeah, yeah. everything. Even everything. when he I, like, I could play anywhere. He could only play like straight drives. Like it was. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's just in yeah the physicality of the men as well. It's it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I don't think he has an off switch. No, no, not at all. <laughs> but in terms of, uh, you know, the technical side, and I've seen Ben a, a couple of his pro games, I remember a while ago when he was on tour. Uh, and obviously, uh, he, he was quite, you know, technically quite sound, but also he, he was very skilled uh, with his mm-hmm. racket. He, he could do a lot with the ball. And then you've got Mike Way, who, uh, uh, you know, he was the coach to uh, maybe perhaps the most skillful racket player in the history of the game, some would mm-hmm. argue, Jonathan Power, right? Uh, so you've got two guys there who, who know uh, quite a bit about you know, skill work with the racket. So does that translate uh, for you? Do you get a lot of, do you sort of pick their brains a bit? Uh, obviously you, you do. Yeah, definitely. Um, Mike is such an interesting person. Like I love every conversation I have with Mike. He is so passionate. He's so knowledgeable. Um, and he he will, and, and any conversation you have, you'll come away with like 10 mm. takeaways. You know, he's amazing the way he thinks about the game and approaches the game. And Ben is exact Ben similar, but they have like different approaches, which is perfect for me. You know, I think it's good to get different ideas bouncing around. Um, but obviously I've had a lot more uh one-on-one time with Ben, obviously. Um, he's been my coach for 13 years. Um mm. and yeah, that's what if you watch Ben play, he's just so smart on the court, like he just his shot selection's always right. He's always thinking like two shots ahead. And mm. that's something that he's been trying to ingrain into me for years now. And I, I am picking up on it. Um, but it's just like, you know, putting it into matches. And like I said, that just comes with like composure and confidence. And, you know, I need to play like I'm world number nine as opposed to, you know, like I deserve to be there. And like, yeah, yeah, you know, as opposed to, 180 or whatever I was last year <laughs> well it happened so quickly didn't it I guess it's it's difficult to sort of you know as it's happening mm-hmm. so quickly difficult to kind of think and and uh, put things in perspective 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a whirlwind. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Now, just to look back at that time uh, a little bit, just before you, you did reach the top 10, uh, I think I saw the stat, you won 50 of 55 matches. Uh, This was before you, 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 you made your run into the top 20 or top 30, Uh, 11 finals, nine titles. So when you look back at that period, when I think it was on the challenge tour and, and you were working your way through the rankings and winning uh, pretty much uh, every match or almost every match you were playing, uh, uh, how did that sort of prepare you for where what you what led you to where you are today? Yeah, it's a completely different ball game, really. Like like I said, you know, when you're winning it's everything's great and it doesn't really it doesn't matter if you're beating number 100 in the world or number one in the world like a win is a win and it makes you feel good it makes you feel confident so I was even when I was on on the rise I had like I believed that I could beat not the top four or five but I believed I could take out some scouts in the top 10 you know um and so I was just confident and just going and you know playing and winning and that was a good feeling and then I'd got, I got to top 10 and then I was playing, you know, the real deals, like the yeah, yeah. Goars, the Trebinis, the Hanias, and just getting absolutely, tra- they were doing to me and even the way they like approach the match, like during the match, I was watching them like, God, they kind of remind me of how I play against somebody who yeah. I've been playing against in the Challenger Tour. Um, so, yeah, like I said, um I went into like the world tour finals and everything actually with quite low confidence, even though I was in, in the top eight in the world, I had just come off that win, win, win thing and was just actually experiencing losing a lot. And even though I was losing to the likes of Hania at worlds, for example, it still like makes you realize that obviously my ultimate goal is to be the top of the world. And in, when you kind of are in that situation, you see, the difference in the level and like how far you have to go it's like you know it can make you lose confidence <laughs> mm-hmm. um so it, yeah it's, it's been an interesting adjustment yeah uh, it sounds like i mean it's been great to watch too i mean uh, it's going to be uh, going to be an, uh, an exciting uh, season for you going forward uh, now we just saw the grass i don't know if you watched it i did the grasshopper uh, final the ladies final did you yeah did i didn't you? see it i was with ben actually so i didn't actually see it i think i saw the last few points um Shabini uh, was looking good good in that fit yeah Shabini was looking good but uh, uh hanya was playing really well there at the beginning it, it was yeah. neck, uh, it was neck and neck there for a while but uh you've played them you've played hanya you've played nor you've played noran uh, they're all fan, and even Norel Tayeb, amazing, all amazing, fantastic players. Uh, I'm just wondering, out of uh, out of all of those, uh, who do you find the maybe the most difficult to play, or are they all equally uh, challenging? But but obviously, one that I'm just thinking, one that you might find uh, particularly uh, difficult. Well, it's a good question. It's it, they are honestly all so different, the three of them. Um, I thought that Gohar's game would suit me. I thought that I would, I thought I'd struggle a lot more against Shabini than I would against Gohar. And I've struggled, like, I don't, I haven't got close to either of them. But I actually find, yeah, I found when I played Gohar really difficult. Because even though you think, you know, and like people will tell you, you know, what they do or whatever, I think when you're on there with her and you kind of feel how she's playing, it is actually crazy. Like, (laughs) like that you don't you don't have a second to breathe on there you know she's just relentless and her accuracy is unbelievable so 
I've I've only played Noor twice. I think I played her twice, like last year maybe. So mm-hmm. I haven't played her too recently. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're I, on it. I couldn't pick. They're all just they're unbelievable. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, watching. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. No, no. I was just gonna say, like watching them, you can appreciate how amazing they are. But honestly, being on there with them, it's actually it's a different it's a different game. Like you think. You think you can like know what they're going to do or whatever, but even though think like how amazing they look when you watch on squash TV, like you really notice it when you're playing against them and trying to get that ball off the wall that's glued and trying <laughs> yeah. to like see Shabini's hold. Like it is, it is crazy. Yeah. Well, you're going to figure it out soon. I, I think uh, Gina, <laughs> you're going to figure it out, but uh, you know, the, uh, the ladies game is so amazing. You know, uh, as we just saw the final there, it went five, it was really close. And uh, nor uh, in my estimation, when she's not injured and when she's at her best, yeah. she could be, I mean, she could be the best player in the world, but uh, yeah, her squash hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what she can do. Actually, when I was playing Nor, um, like she would hit a drop, and I'd be like, "Okay, cool, the drops come in." Like I, I felt like I was there, like running onto it, and it literally. I've never seen. I've I hit with men most of the time. Obviously, I'm not hitting with like, but her drops land shorter than anyone I've ever been on court with. Really? Wow. It's great. Yeah. Like I'm like, okay, I'm there, but it's bounced three times. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, the way I don't understand how like the cut she is, 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 yeah, it's just mind boggling. Yeah. That's what she was doing today. I mean, she'd get to the front of the court or she'd have a little bit of time. She'd play the, you know, the nice little drop shot and there was nothing, uh, even Hanya who moves, she yeah, moves really well. Like her, her movements actually improved, it seems uh, over the summer. Yeah. Her movement is unbelievable, Hanya. But yeah, like I said, when Nor's hitting those drops, you, you think you're there, but it's literally bounced three times. You're like, how have you done that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And just in terms of the, some of the other ladies, I, I was really impressed with with Amanda in the last mm-hmm. couple of events. Uh, you've probably played her a few times. Uh, you know what? I've only played, I only played her at the World Tour Finals. Um, okay. So, yeah, I really, I, I'd love to play her again, um, give her a bit of a better showing of myself. Um, but she's been so impressive this season so far. She's looking really good. You can tell she's made some adjustments over the summer. Like, she's moving really well. She just looks, like, really confident. So, yeah, I'm excited to see how she does this year because I'm pretty sure she'll be taking out some of those top three soon. Oh, definitely. She's someone who I think is really skilled with the racket. I mean, she, you know, when she pushes forward and volleys and she... Mm. she she can cut the ball well and oh, so well, so well. So uh, it's really exciting stuff uh, in the women's game, and uh, I love watching. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's great, and even like the having um, obviously Tyabs in the mix beating yeah. um, these girls, and then you've got you know Rowan's almost beaten Shabini and Goha this season, and then you know Sabrina has actually beaten Hania. Yeah. Hania is one of the only players who can beat the top two so it is good I think it's good it shows that like they are beatable um you know we've seen them do it you've seen people beat the top two and then you've seen someone beat Hania so I think it's good for everyone on the women's tour really to like you know take notes yeah Yeah, take note like they can be they can be beaten it's just you know going to be bloody hard <laughs> yeah 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 well like you said earlier i think it's all about uh i mean i wouldn't know but I, it, it's about confidence right if you get a couple of those wins and that really propels you uh yeah up there doesn't it for sure yeah 
Yeah. Well, Jaina, what do you have uh, upcoming now? I mean, uh, obviously uh, the, the grasshopper is over and uh, what's on the, uh, what's on your agenda going forward here? Yeah. So I have uh, three weeks now, um, which is good. I need a good training block. So I've got three weeks here training and then I'm off on the Asia tour. So I'm doing the gold in Singapore, followed by the bronze in Malaysia, followed by the platinum in Hong Kong. Oh, and great. then get back early December and then we head off straight to world teams, which is in Egypt. Okay. Okay. Well, that's exciting. I mean, getting to go to Singapore, Hong Kong, and uh, what was the third? Malaysia. Third? Malaysia, Malaysia, fantastic places yeah. to go. Uh, yeah, obviously, I've never been is to... important, but uh, yeah. have you been to Singapore? Uh, no, I've never been to Asia. So I'm really looking oh, really? forward. Oh. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Um, and it'll be interesting as well because it's like three three back-to-back events which I haven't done before um so it'll be a good like mental test and it'll be a really good experience you know whether you know win or lose you're gonna just have to reset and go go again so mm. it'll be yeah interesting <laughs> I think you'll be impressed with with Singapore and Hong Kong because they're, they're, they've such a long like a, like a really deep uh, squash history in in those uh, countries so a lot of the uh, sort of the colonial the the British have, who had been there uh, previously they're sort of old British clubs uh, that have a that have squash courts and, and a big like big squash leagues and stuff like that so they'll probably be quite a quite a number of people uh, at the event I would imagine. Oh, cool. That would be good. Yeah. It's just like Grasshopper this week. It makes such a difference when there's a good crowd. Um, yeah. You know, so yeah, that would be really exciting. Well, Jana, uh, thank you so much for doing this again. And uh, I hope, you know, your health continues to improve and all the best uh, with the rest of the season. Thank you, Jerry. Well, many thanks to Gina for that, and that was a fantastic chat. I really appreciate her time, as always. Uh, Again, her second appearance, her first, uh, about a year and a half ago. You may want to go back and listen to that uh, again. That was right around the time when she was really making inroads into the the uh, the top uh, 20 I believe in the game where she started well below that and that that's a great listen as well so many thanks again she's got a busy few months coming up in Asia uh, with Singapore and Hong Kong uh, and she'll enjoy that I'm sure so all the best to her going forward now uh, just in terms of this podcast uh, the recent Rob Owen episode uh, as many of you know stirred up some serious controversy uh, namely because of uh, Rob's comments on Joel Macon and uh, there was a press release uh, just recently from Joel via Squash Mad, and I just via uh, Squash Mad, and I just want to uh, briefly set uh, the record straight from my side after Joel did so as well. Um, firstly, I have a professional uh, relationship with with both Rob and Joel in terms of uh, appearing on this podcast, and I respect uh, them both for uh, who they are and for what they've uh, brought uh, to this podcast. And they've been very easy uh, to work with and very uh, enjoyable to work with. Uh, Rob has been, uh, just in terms of Rob, he's been really generous with his time for the pod on a couple of occasions. And he's also even advised me on a few things to make uh, to help make the pod uh, a little bit better. So I appreciated uh, that from him. And Joel, from, from his side, he's always been very friendly. I have a, have a friendly relationship with him uh, off uh, the podcast Uh, he's easy to access for me and uh, I just find him to be humble generous and uh, he's also caring for uh, you know a guy who I don't know 
outside of uh, the squash circle. So needless to say, I was a bit uncomfortable uh, releasing the podcast. I gave uh, Joel a bit of a heads up uh, just before I was going to release it. And he was very understanding, uh, obviously, you know, disappointed to hear that what was what was about to come out but uh he told me to go ahead no worries he said and uh i did hold off releasing it until after grasshopper as both joel and uh, mustafa were playing there were some comments about uh mustafa as well but mustafa is uh, obviously a bit more he's heard he's been there done that uh, several times before uh but anyways i didn't want to uh didn't want the pod to affect uh them and the event in any way so uh, I held off and then released it just uh, after uh, the final of the the grasshopper. Now, personally, yes, uh, I felt uh, on a personal level I was uncomfortable a bit with with Rob's take on Joel. I thought it was overly overly harsh. I mean, Rob has his opinions and his views on that, so I, I respect that. Uh, maybe he in the moment got a bit carried away with it. I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, anyways, I felt a little bit uh, uncomfortable. I'm really glad that Joel had, uh, took the opportunity to express his side the way he did. Um, I reached out to Joel uh, to come on the podcast uh, in the aftermath of, of, uh, of uh, Rob's episode. But ultimately, I believe he handled it in, in a classy way. He uh, in writing uh, via uh, Squash Mad, and I thought his statement, uh, you know, uh, there was a lot of emotion there, but I thought he handled it quite well. Uh, and just in terms of overall, you know, th- this type of things, we, you know, it blew up. Uh, this was kind of the biggest. Uh, I guess most controversial episode that I've that I've had. There's a lot of really interesting stuff on it from Rob, and he, and he knows his squash, and he and he has really strong opinions about several things, which I think we need to hear sometimes, and we don't get to hear it, and we don't get we don't really see much of it in the squash media, and that's part of the the problem, in my opinion. Uh, in pro sports and other you know big name pro sports this kind of sort of controversial stuff and uh, you know things that stir up uh, acrimony between between players and coaches it happens uh, daily but in squash it's a rarity so I guess you know the way we handle it I guess we meaning uh, me as a podcaster maybe more experienced people in the squash media might handle it Uh, we don't have a lot of experience dealing uh, with this kind of thing so I'm just guessing that the those savvy and experienced enough to know how to handle this might suggest that we live and learn we and we move on from this. So that's what I'm planning to do. And uh, just want to say many thanks for to everybody for listening to this one, uh, to the Rob Owen episode, and to any uh, all of the other episodes. We've got some great ones coming up as well. So stay tuned for those. Again, everybody, many thanks for listening, and really appreciate you and your time. Take care. Goodbye now.